But to be in this situation when you know you're not guilty of it, it was just surreal. everyone, welcome back to Unjustly Podcast, a podcast about social injustices in the criminal justice system. My name is Sandy and this is my co-host Stephanie. Hi everyone. So today's episode will be a mini-sode about a recent event of a wrongful conviction. So this has been all over my timeline for the past month, but I also follow a lot of pages about wrongful conviction and criminal justice reform, so I'm not sure if everyone else has seen this story around. But it's kind of crazy, and I wanted to share it with everyone because this was an easily preventable wrongful conviction that shouldn't have even made it to court. But it did, and now a popular car rental business is being sued for it. This is the story of Herbert Alford and the Hertz Car Rental Company. Oh, Hertz. I used to work for Enterprise. Oof. (laughs) Are they in competition? Yeah, we hated Hertz. Good. Yeah, we should all hate Hertz. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. The sources for the story can be found in the description of the episode. So on October 18th, 2011, in Lansing, Michigan, 23-year-old Michael Adams found himself in a heated argument over 50 pounds of alleged stolen marijuana. As he tried to run away to save his life, he was chased by a gunman through a parking lot when he was shot in the back where he soon died. He was executed in broad daylight. He was the father of three little girls. Shortly after Adams died, police believed Herbert Alford to be the possible suspect. This was largely due to the police informant giving them Alford's name. Spoiler alert, this informant would later recant his testimony, saying that police gave him an incentive to implicate someone, and Alford did hang around with some of these people. There was an alleged getaway car that had possibly three people in it. The car belonged to Alford's roommate. The roommate's son apparently didn't like Alford, and he was also one of the people who tried to point the police in his direction. Hmm. So this is where information gets a little blurry because different articles stated different things when it came to this part of the timeline. So some articles said that right after the murder, police issued a warrant for Alford's arrest to charge him with the murder of Adams along with two weapons charges. However, they couldn't find Alford because he supposedly went on the run to hide from police. Other articles stated that they wanted to charge him but didn't have enough evidence and needed to continue their investigation and it kind of went cold for a bit. So that's the only portion of the story that I'm not really sure of. Either way, it wouldn't be until four years later in May 2015 when Alford would be arrested and formally charged with Adams' murder. This time, police were relying on another witness who stated he knew Alford was the perpetrator. But this witness is extremely problematic. So for years, this witness, Gilbert Bailey, claimed he knew nothing about the murder. But in 2015, when he was arrested for a drug trafficking case, he was facing multiple felony charges. All of a sudden, he said he could give them information about the Adams case in exchange for lesser charges and stated that Alford did it. Hmm convenient which isn't surprising because everyone already knew from the beginning that alford was a suspect so this blew the case open again and with the help of special forces they went to arrest alford 
Alfred, however, said he had an alibi. At the time of the murder, Alfred stated that he was renting a car at Hertz Rental Company, which was located 20 minutes away from the scene. Uh, And this Hertz location was at the airport. Hmm. So while the case was being built by prosecutors, Alfred's attorney, Jamie White, got to working on evidence to prove his alibi and his innocence. He requested that Hertz turn over a copy of the receipt that proves what time he was at the rental company. But that request was never answered. So White subpoenaed Hertz to provide the receipt. And they ignored it. What? Yep. So he had to apply for a court order again. And again. And again. And again. According to court records, Hertz did not respond to five subpoenas and court orders issued between June 2015 through November 2016. Hertz didn't even show up to any of the hearings that they were supposed to partake in. And I don't understand how Hertz was even able to get away with this to begin with. I don't either. When Okay, so when I started working at Enterprise, the rental car business is crazy. But okay. basically, you have inventory of your fleet, like all of the cars that are in your uh-huh. in your fleet, in mm-hmm. your branch. And you have to keep track of all of the cars to make sure that... You know which ones are rented, obviously, but you Mm -hmm. also know which ones might be in the shop getting oil changes done, tire Mm -hmm. stuff done, whatever, and that you're able to get those taken care of as fast as possible so that they can go back to being rented and Mm -hmm. earning you income. Mm -hmm. Well, there is this one car that we would do inventory every night before we closed to make sure all of the cars were accounted for, and there is this one car that was just on our books for what seemed like a year. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I asked, like, what's the deal with this car? I think it was an Impala. Um, Well, that car had been um, seized by by police because it was part of a murder investigation. Whoa. Yeah. And this is so common. You have no idea how often, as a rental car company, Uh you're involved in just sketchy deals, whether it's, like, uh, pimps Uh whether it's drug stuff Mm -hmm. this one just so happened to be that it was involved in some sort of murder thing um and so they they had it as evidence and so that car was just on our books forever because Mm -hmm. we couldn't rent it but we also couldn't like sell it or anything so it was just something that was there but our managers were always whenever something would come up like they they were always very involved. They got legal involved if they mm-hmm. ever needed to. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bizarre to me that they would have to file all of these subpoenas to get something as simple as a receipt. The receipt to yeah. when the car was brought in. I mean, we you keep track of everything. That's so what I would assume. it's it's not something that would be difficult to obtain. I mean, you could walk into the branch and be like, "Hey, I need this," uh-huh. and you might need to get permission to release that information or whatever. But yeah. At the end of the day, it's something that is easily accessible. And I also don't understand why no one showed up in court. I mean, like we had people going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like. What it's years did you crazy. work there? Oh, God. Um, 2012 to 2015. Okay. okay. I was there for a while. So the subpoenas and quarters were in 2015. So they should be able to handle Everything. all of this. Yeah. Oof. Well, that makes the story even more frustrating. <laughs> That is, fr- that is very frustrating because it's nothing that is out of the realm of possibility. Something uh-huh. like this, especially when you're working in an airport. I mean, you yeah. have 
airport is way tighter than Mm -hmm. like your local branches just because you have people flying in Mm -hmm. flying out you have to be extra careful with who you're renting to that you have all of the documents on file to make sure that if the car were to go missing yeah you're able to find that person Mm -hmm. so it's just I don't know it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't be able to provide that or that they didn't have someone showing up to these court appearances when they were supposed to like none of that makes any sense oh man well in 2016 the court decided to go ahead with the trial even though hertz wasn't responding to any court orders to provide proof of his innocence another thing to note was that this was actually the second trial date three weeks prior to the original trial date prosecutors discovered evidence gathered by police for the case that had been sitting unseen for years in their electronic records management system. So it pushed back the trial date so the prosecution could review it. One of the evidence showed that Alfred's fingerprints were found on the alleged getaway car seen at the crime scene and fleeing right after. Prosecutors used this to show Alfred's guilt. The problem, again, is that this car actually belonged to Alfred's roommate, and Alfred had been in that car plenty of times. So it wasn't surprising that his finger mm-hmm. his fingerprint should be in right. that car. So trial starts and prosecutors have a testimony of an informant who would later recant. A testimony from a witness who only said something four years later after he was arrested on felony drug charges and asked for a lighter sentence. And they had Alfred's fingerprint on a car they suspected was the getaway car, which actually belonged to the roommate. A person who worked at Hertz said that she knew for sure that Alfred was at Hertz at 3.30 p.m., but she wasn't sure what time exactly he had gotten there, and the reason that she recognized him was because she said that he actually rented cars often, Mm -hmm. so she Mm -hmm. knew for a fact it was him. Regulars. Uh Uh-huh, regulars. Um, And so she knew that, but by the time she looked at the clock, it was 3.30, so she could only give the 3.30 timeline, no idea of what exactly, what time he got there, which is why the receipt was so important right. to know when he had paid for it. But with this 3.30 timeline, it would have given him enough time to commit the crime and drive over there if mm. he had gotten there closer to 3.30. Mm-hmm. Um, so the crime had happened, I think they said that police were dispatched about gunshots like at 2.56 or 2.57. So mm. close to 3 o'clock and then Hertz was 20 minutes away. So 3.30 would have made sense, but he's Mm -hmm. like, no, I was there way before 3.30. However, Alfred, unfortunately, had no evidence to prove this specific alibi um, that he was there earlier than 3.30 because Hertz ignored all their pleas. It was basically just his word versus theirs, and they had witnesses. In in air quotes, witnesses. (laughs) And they still haven't been able to get any information from Hertz? We'll get into that. Okay. Not surprisingly, Alfred was found guilty of murder and sentenced to 32 to 62 years in prison. So, in 2018, Alfred's attorney again subpoenaed Hertz in hopes to try to exonerate him. And for the first time, Hertz responded. And finally, Hertz provided the receipt of Alfred's car rental. It proved that Alfred was renting a car at 3 Mm p.m. So, his credit card was swiped at 3 p.m. and that's... You know, so technically he was already there a few minutes prior to 3 p.m. Right. And I do want to say they weren't able, I don't know if he used cash or credit, but even if he used credit, they were, you can't use that as proof because it doesn't have a Mm timestamp on when it was ran. It was just kind of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And this was the same time that police were being dispatched to the shooting. 
And again, the rental place was 20 minutes away from the crime scene. So it was clear there's no way he could have been at the crime scene at the time that Mm -hmm. the shooting happened. With the new evidence, a judge granted a motion for a new trial. Alfred's conviction was vacated and the judge ordered a new trial on the basis of Alfred being deprived of presenting an alibi defense. Which is great, but this whole process took another year and a half. So 18 months after receiving this receipt, Alfred was finally released on bond in 2020. By this time, Alfred had served almost five years in prison. Yeah, that's bad. Later that year, the prosecutor decided to drop all charges against Alfred and not pursue a retrial. The county prosecutor said, quote, We do not believe that we can prove Mr. Alfred's legal culpability by the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. Therefore, the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office is dismissing the case against Herbert Alford. The chief assistant prosecutor later added that the Hertz evidence was a substantial factor in our decision not to retry Mr. Alford. Also, though, witnesses had already recanted their stories as well, so they had absolutely nothing. nothing. So by December 2020, Alford's name was completely cleared. In March of 2021... Alfred and his attorney filed a lawsuit against Hertz Rental Company for failing to produce the evidence in a timely manner. Alfred's attorney stated that, quote, they viciously disregarded his request for cooperation. For that reason, Hertz is responsible financially for the harms he has suffered. If a business entity wants to participate in our community, then they have a minimal responsibility to participate in processes that protect those people. You can't take money from people and then ignore legitimate document requests that, in this case, could have saved someone's life. White added that while Alfred was locked up, he went to bed every night thinking he was never going to get out of that facility, and that takes an enormous toll on someone's mental health. Hertz responded by stating that they were deeply saddened over Alfred's experience. I hate that term. We're deeply saddened by the... Like everybody, Everybody says that. While we were unable to find the historic rental record from 2011 when it was requested in 2015, we continued our good faith efforts to locate it. Spokesperson Lauren Luster said in an emailed statement, With advances in data research in the years following, we were able to locate the rental record in 2018 and promptly provided it. After they were subpoenaed. I'm telling you that's that's a complete lie. Oh, my God. No, because you can go into any I'm and I'm speaking on behalf of Enterprise (laughs) in terms of Enterprise. Enterprise owns National Car Company and Alamo Rent-A-Car. Those three companies use a system Mm -hmm. where I can go into any one of those branches and look someone up and I can see whether they've rented at Alamo. I can see whether they rent. So you can't tell me that you you don't have record of it or that you that historically you can't find no that's a lie it's yeah. all it's all in the computer they made it how sound are they like... running this multi-million dollar business yeah. and not have records of who rented when especially when it was requested in 2011 right i mean like we were already in the digital area you can't mm-hmm. it would be one thing if you were trying to find records of someone who rented in 1980s right but this is in 2011 it's it's a complete lie that they couldn't find it. It's as simple as oh, turning on the computer mm-hmm. and going into the system and just searching for the person's That's name. Crazy. You can search based on the license plate. 
you can search based on the person's personal information. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many ways to have found that information quickly. Yeah. They just weren't, they were ignoring it. Mm-hmm. That's all they did. And, and someone lost five years of their life because of it. That's They crap. made it sound like they had this like archaic system from 2011. And all of a sudden in 2018, they fixed it. And all of a sudden had all the information from the past. Like, no. I thought the same thing when they made it sound like it was this really no. hard to find. I'm just like, really? In 2011? No. They weren't keeping track correctly? Especially at, a, and I'm glad especially that you at an airport. It. Because an airport runs with a fleet of thousands of cars. Mm. It's not like a local branch can have 100 cars, mm-hmm. 200 cars, if they're a bigger one. Mm-hmm. An airport has thousands of car to, cars to keep track of. So they have to be more diligent. You can't, yeah. There's no way they're doing inventory on paper. <laughs> Like, that's such (laughs) bullshit. I'm sorry. Oh, man. That's so frustrating. I'm glad you were able to confirm all of this. (laughs) So Attorney White was not buying their statement at all. His response to that was, quote, this is a global organization with an enormous amount of resources. The only thing that makes sense to me is that they looked at this African-American man, presumed he'd be convicted anyway, and they didn't have time for it. So now we wait and see if anything comes from this lawsuit. According to White, the lawsuit against Hertz may be slowed down because of the company's bankruptcy reorganization. I don't know how much he is asking for specifically. Um, I think I saw somewhere that it was like 25000 Like it wasn't like a ton. It really is just the principle yeah, of it. Yeah. And accountability. Right. Basically. Uh, this company ignored five court orders. What's the point of a court order if it doesn't matter if you don't cooperate? Um, and a man lost five years of his life because of their in cooperation. Yeah. So we'll see how this turns out. I will definitely do updates later once there's a decision on the lawsuit. Um, at this point, the case itself is a cold case, um, you know, the of Adams. So I really hope justice can be given to the victim and his family soon. Mm-hmm. When I saw this come in, I almost sent it to you. And I was like, look at this. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me all about it. But then I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to do a, a mini so yeah, and we I can talk about it this here. At all. So, so now we all know, <laughs> don't use Hertz. No, don't. Use Enterprise. <laughs> we are boycotting Hertz. Enterprise, um, Alamo, or National. A man lost five years of his life because of Hertz. And I think That's they should sad. be held accountable. Definitely. And I think we shouldn't use them anymore. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, no, boycott it. I, I've, I've been boycotting for no reason, so at least now I have one. <laughs> cool. So also, this is really random. I mean, my whole story was going to be on this Hertz thing, but uh, within the last two days, a lot of other like random wrongful conviction cases started coming up of like really current events. And so I just wanted to touch base on them real quick since I feel like that's um, one of the benefits of being of doing the minisodes. Um, so there's two in particular that I wanted to just real quick um, update you guys on. So there was a woman in Australia. Her name is Kathleen Folbig. Um, she was convicted of murder of four of her four children. Oh wow! And so she's been in jail for almost two decades now. And this news just broke out yesterday. I saw it last night. And what happened was due to um, research on genetic makeup, Mm. they were able to determine that at least two of those children had an undiagnosed Mm. like heart condition. 
So what happened was this woman, so her story starts off really tragic. When she was a baby, her father killed her mom and he ended up being in prison for like 15 or 20 years. And then he got deported to England after, I don't know. So he's out, but he stabbed her mom to death. So she grew up, you know, a problematic child. She had a lot of trauma. And then at a young age, she got married. She had a baby. That baby died at like 19 days old. Mm -hmm. um, And they said it was like due to SIDS. Mm -hmm. Later, she has another child. That baby died a little bit after that 19 days. It was like a few months old. Mm -hmm. That baby died. And then they said that it it was due to like some, they think it was due to some type of medical complication, um, but not really sure what, but it like caused seizures and eventually Mm -hmm. that baby died. She has a third baby. Again, this baby dies. I think this one died at like a year old. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, SIDS again. And then she has a fourth baby. That baby lived to 18 months. So each baby lives a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, The fourth one died at 18 months. And they're like, SIDS again? Mm -hmm. And so then the police are like, this this is not. Statistically, you don't lose four babies to like SIDS. Like this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so with that, they charged her with murder um, of all four of them. So recently, after 18 years in prison, this article says that a new scientific evidence suggests that the murder is not what actually happened. Genomic testing shows at least two of the Australian babies likely died from a previously undiscovered genetic mutation Mm. that led to a heart complication, meaning she may have been wrongfully imprisoned for almost two decades. Wow. After reading this article, um, I'll include this in the description bio as well so that you can read it if you're interested in the case. Um, But there's a lot of scientists right now. I think they said like 90 scientists are pushing for her to be exonerated because through their um, genomic testing, they're like, I really think they died of the SIDS or, you know, this heart complication. It is unfortunate that it was four kids, but if all of them carried this mm-hmm. genetic mutation, then likely. it's not surprising yeah. that it happened to all four of them. So it sounds like they're in the middle of this case, um, but they also want to use that for other cases yeah. that might be similar of children dying of what seems to be unexplainable mm-hmm. and they name it as SIDS, but then they charge the mothers with murder. Mm-hmm with no evidence other than this baby died and they don't have an explanation for it. So there's this push to like do these genetic testings and see if they did have some type of mutation that might've caused a death. That's awesome. So I thought that was really interesting. And then as me and Stephanie were talking about our other episode, I think Steph was in the middle of her episode. Maybe I came across this article on Facebook about this man in Pennsylvania who was falsely accused of pointing a gun at a police officer. He spent a year in prison um, wrongfully. Turns out that it was falsely accused. It was made up. So he was let out. But then um, he came across a police car that had like flipped over. The one I was telling you that was like about to cry. <laughs> um, he j- randomly came across this police car that had flipped over and a policeman was like caught under it. And this was, I mean, keep in mind, he was wrongfully convicted and falsely accused by police officers. Mm-hmm. So he spent a year in prison because of police officers. So now he comes across this overturned police car and a policeman's trapped. He immediately goes to save him. Mm-hmm. And 
um, as I was reading the article, witnesses around said that he had um, this like strength, like yeah, it ha- you like know, superhuman strength. Super, superhuman strength for him to like lift this car and he dragged the police officer out of the car and it was on fire. Aww. And I think the car blew up possibly, but like the police officer was about to die yeah. if he didn't pull him out at that very moment. And um, in the article, he says, no matter what other people have done to me or other officers, I thought this guy deserves to make it home safely to his family. Oh. And yeah. I and there's a picture of this guy hugging the officer. Oh, oh my God, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also says there's value in every human life. We are all children of God and I can't imagine just watching anyone burn. So that was Dalen McLee. And he was the one who saved the officer. Um, so I thought that was really heartwarming. I thought that was a really cool current event going on with someone yeah. that's been wrongfully convicted. And um, I don't know anything about his case other than the this quick description of yeah. him being falsely accused by other officers. I don't know what happened to those other officers, but a year in Pennsylvania state prison. So that was really nice. So that's all I have for today. Thank you all for listening. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. It really helps us out to bring more awareness to these injustices. If you haven't yet, follow us on social media under Unjustly Podcasts, where we post pictures related to each episode. Stay tuned for Stephanie's full-length episode next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.